official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm Pastor Jason, if you don't know, and we have a couple of very special guests with us this morning. Um, if you don't know already, there's there's something very special happening today. Um, so just in the in the light of that, in the light of that, who, so who's rooting for the Patriots and who's rooting for the Falcons? <laughs> awesome. Well. Uh, we have a couple of special guests uh, this morning that I just want to recognize before we get started. Uh, Bill, if you could stand. This is Bill Malik, our uh, our district superintendent. Um, he is uh, he's the man. He's been uh, very supportive of the mission since the very beginning, and he's over all of the churches in the Christian and Missionary Alliance in the Southwest Pacific region. So Bill has a tough job. And I don't want it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, um, so please, uh, you know, greet Bill, and uh, and he's going to be speaking to you later. And and this next guy I want to introduce you to, his name's Dave Gilmore, Pastor Dave Gilmore. Dave, you can give a wave. They're going to see your face soon enough. Um, but um, but Pastor Dave Gilmore is uh, the pastor over in Cathedral City of a Christian Missionary Alliance church, which, if you don't know, Cathedral City's out near Palm Springs. And uh, Dave is my church planning coach. So Dave has been walking alongside with me over, along with his amazing wife, Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. Um, Dave and Tammy have been walking alongside and I, Kim, for the last year, just helping us, just imparting wisdom, and they have been very hands-on with our core leadership team at the church here and our advisory board as well. And so I can't tell you enough good things about this guy, and would you please make welcome Dave Gilmore. All right. Wow. Most of the time when, when my name is heard, they think I'm associated to a 70s band. Yeah! <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I tell you, it's been an extraordinary morning. I'm delighted to be with you. It's, uh, it's been my pleasure over the course of the last year to interact with many of you. And uh, An organization is always as healthy as the ones leading it. And when I uh, agreed to come alongside of uh, Jason and Kim, I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but very quickly found out that they're they're incredible people. And then I was able to sit in on the advisory team and the leadership team, and they've got incredible people around them. And and I'm thrilled. I, I went back and reported to Bill. I said that The future is incredibly bright because of the people that are there and because the people make a church. So I want to propose three things to you as a church, and I've got five things for Jason as the pastor, as uh, five charges, because uh, as you go, the church goes. And so uh, I I need, you can listen in, I just need to have a moment of, of prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege
Thank you for the responsibility. <clears throat> Thank you that your grace is so sufficient. I am weak, but you are strong. So may the words of my mouth be nothing but uttering you, your goodness, your greatness, your glory, as we've already sung this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text this morning is the entire Bible. We are probably not going to get out on time to us. I, it really is. And so uh, I, I'm going to be I'm gonna using a lot of scripture references, and yet I, I'm, I'm probably not going to have you turn there. So write them down, check me out. If I'm wrong, text me, email me, make sure I get it right. Uh, because uh, in addressing the church, uh, there, I've been in ministry now over 30 years, and I, I marvel, I grieve, really. I, I, I was thinking about this morning and addressing Jason and Kim and you as a church and, and uh, had received news as I was in Cathedral City driving and had received news this past week that one of the churches that uh, had, had been thriving was split and closing and I was, was thinking about that and driving down Cathedral Canyon and the two churches that are, are also small and struggling, I think one is closing as well. And I, I was just grieving in my spirit about churches closing. It's, it's sad. It's sad. And it formulated in my mind what makes an ordinary church versus an or, extraordinary church. And so my charge to you this morning is three things that will make you extraordinary as a church. And the first one is to be Christ-centered. Never be self-centered. Every church that gets self-centered dies. And every church that focuses on Christ and makes Christ the center thrives. Well, what does it mean to be Christ-centered? And Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 talks about how Jesus came to serve, not be served. And that's, that's the heart of it right there. A church that is here to serve, serve each other, serve the community, to serve rather than to be served. Here's, the, here's how you know whether you're a consumer or not when you go to church. You know how it is when you go to a restaurant and on the way home you're engaging with whoever you were at. And, well, you know, it was a little cold, it was a little slow, it was a little late. The waiter was a waitress. They were a little grumpy. They were a little happy. You're, you are analyzing the experience. That's a consumer. So if you go to church and on your way home you are analyzing your experience from a consumer perspective. You didn't go to worship. You went to consume. And you are not Christ-centered, you are self-centered. So to be Christ-centered is more than a thought, it is more than your mouth, it is, it is an act of being focused on others around you. It's what is the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is that essence, it's the heart, it's what motivates and drives us. To be an extraordinary church means the people love each other. They love the community. And they carry that out, not with their mouth, but by serving, by giving, by caring, by sharing, by being that community. Now, I've been able to uh, interact with your leadership team, with your pastor, with the advisory team, and, and this is being done. You're already on a path of being an extraordinary church. But here's what can happen. It's a dangerous thing. As God blesses extraordinary, ordinary people who are, who are serving an extraordinary God, as he begins to bless that, the focus turns inward to absorb growth and to absor absorb the activity. Don't let that happen. Number two, 
an extraordinary church versus an ordinary church is a praying church. They seek the Lord. When bad things happen, they turn to him. When good things happen, they turn to him. I'm reminded in 1 Samuel chapter 30 about David. King David, uh, he was a warrior for hire, and he's been hired, and he's off trying to do his thing with 600 other men, and they come back home after being turned down for a job. You ever done that, been turned down for a job? So you, you meander back home only to find that your house has been burned down, and your wife and kids are gone, and everything you owned is stolen. He's a warrior for hire. What would you do? David does the right thing. He doesn't go do war. It's what he's trained to do. It's his job. He stops and he inquires of the Lord. Always. An extraordinary church will always seek the face of the Lord. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that if you earnestly seek, you believe in your heart that God exists and that you earnestly seek him, he will reward He is a God that rewards. Earnestly seek him, inquire of him, pursue him, know him as a church. It's a value that you have to have. An extraordinary church versus an ordinary church, which is kind of a uh, something I've already kind of covered, but this is it. They care for those in authority over them. It tells us in Hebrews 13, 17 that you will give an account for how well you respond to those in authority over you, specifically those within the church. In this particular text, we can go to another text to to show how you respond to those in authority of you outside of the church. But within the church, you are all going to give an account for how you respond to Jason and Kim. And so, jot it down, Hebrews 13, 17. You're going to go look that one up this week. So you know that. So write it in your Bible. There you go. Underline it. Make sure you know. And then lastly, this kind of fits together with that is 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, which just basically says to you as a church to make sure that you care for those in authority over you. You will give an account for that, how well you care for your pastor. The first church my wife and I uh, pastored in Fort Worth, Texas, we didn't know any better. We were early, mid 20s and we just didn't know any better we thought if you just love jesus you just serve him and people did the same thing and uh found out after we left that we'd been abused really it was a it was an abusive church don't do that be an extraordinary church care for those in authority over you take care of them don't wait for the pain to exist find out if it exists go there walk with them talk with them that's part of the whole sharing that's part of the love if you love them you're going to know be an extraordinary church. Okay? Jason, you get the rest. <laughs> Y'all can listen in. It's, it's accountability's sake, you know. Now I, I say it to him. Jason, how you walk with the Lord is how they'll walk. You can never lead them where you haven't gone. It's just the reality of life. If you don't learn and grow and stretch your faith, they won't. They can't. You can only take them where you are going And that's the first point, is that that you have to take care of yourself. In ministry, the demands are, you already know this, phenomenal. Everybody wants you. You have a servant's heart, the very thing I was saying. Now, the flip side of that is if you serve everybody, you ignore yourself. You can't do that. Satan will play that card to burn you out. Don't let it happen. Have healthy boundaries. Say no. If he tells you no... Be thankful. 
You hear that? They support you. They believe that. It's okay. Now, Jason, I've already given all this spiel to him. I'm just saying it publicly. There's nothing probably new I'm going to say this morning uh, that I haven't already said to you across the table uh, as well as with Kim. And, and uh, it, it goes for the same as you care for yourself. Your priority is to your family. You have to take care of them. It does not honor the Lord to see a family shattered. Invest. Honor Him in that capacity. Isaiah 40, 31 talks about that, you know. Growing weary and stumbling, but those who wait. That's what you got to do. You got to take the time. The hardest work, y'all, hardest work you can do is waiting on God. People would rather go read it in a book somewhere else that somebody else did the hard work than go wait on God. Best thing you can do for your pastor is to give him quarterly time to go away and to be still before the Lord, to renew his spirit, to renew his heart, to renew his mind so that when he comes back, he's speaking fresh from encountering with Christ. You got to give him the space. You got to give him the time. And I know we've talked about that. I know, I know you will. I've already kind of given Hebrews 11.6, but I'm going to say it to you again and repeat this. So you got to inquire. You might read it in the book. You might see it in another church, but you got to ask if that's what God wants to do here. Don't do other people's thing. Do what the Lord says. Be obedient. And I, and I know you do that. That's what's thrilling about this after walking with you for a year. I know you know that, and I know you do that, and I'm simply reaffirming what, what you already know. Matthew 28, 20, you've heard me say this. You even created a poster. You're not supposed to build the church. That's not your job. Your job as pastor is not to build this church. That's Jesus' job. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I'll build the church. And yet too many times as pastors, we think that's our job. What did he tell us to do? Matthew 28, 20, go make disciples. You focus on that and he'll take care of the rest. You invest your time, you invest yourself, you, you pour in making disciples. Church, always ask yourself, when you do an activity, ask yourself, is this making a disciple or is it just wasted time or something that you like to do? If it's just something you like to do, you need to stop. If it's not making disciples, stop. Make disciples. Jesus takes care of the rest. I didn't write this one down, but this is a freebie, okay? <laughs> and you know this. We've, we've already talked about, in fact, the advisory team, we, we covered this back when we were doing the budget for the church. God has never in all of history failed to provide when he, his work. Do you know when you can't make ends meet? It's because you're doing something he didn't ask you to do. Or you're disobedient. Repentance and a humbling yourself before him, he will always, he will always pay the bill for his work. It's a beautiful thing and a beautiful confidence. It's not up to us. We have to live within our means. We can't be foolish. We need the, the structure and we need to think things through. But God has always in all of history provided for his work. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, that was the freebie. And then just two more points. And that's Ephesians 4 basically says that you are to equip the saints to do the work of service. A serious mistake many pastors make is they think they're supposed to do the work. And everybody else comes in to consume all the work you do. That is not church. That's not God's church. That's not how he designed it. That's not how he created it. That's not what he intended it to be. He said, no, you equip them 
you train them, you release them, they go do the work. Because you're going to be held responsible on whether you equipped them and released them or whether you just did the work. And y'all are going to be held responsible about whether you participated in doing that work or you just let Jason do it. So, the last one. Let's just move right along. The last one comes out of Proverbs 29, 18. And this is the one where I know we, we've talked about this. Without a vision, people perish. That's the old King James translation, how I learned it eons ago. Uh, but it needs a prophetic word. It needs that vision. That's that time away before the Lord. You can't get it in a book, can't read it outside of Scripture and interacting with Jesus. You, you can only lead where the church needs to go. I know you are the reluctant leader. You're still, nonetheless, the leader. You're still the one that hears from God. And I, and I love the fact that you are a team leader. You're not a dictator leader. You're a team leader. And you've got phenomenal people around you. I, I really do. I've said that, and I mean that. There are some amazing men and women uh, that are around you. Uh, I, I'm a little envious I was at least a year ago. God has blessed our ministry, and now I'm not quite as envious. But, but you have some incredible people. It's still up to you, though, to hear from God and to know where, where to go, where to go, where to go on each step of the way. And so it is uh, coming back to where we started. To be, an ordinary, to be an ordinary church means you do ordinary things. To be an extraordinary church means you are ordinary people doing an extraordinary work with God. You join Him in what He is doing. That's the extraordinary part. You have an ordinary guy, but you have an extraordinary God. And he becomes extraordinary as he walks and keeps in step with God, which makes him an extraordinary pastor. I'm really, I've got my, my own three blood kids, and I'm incredibly proud of them. But then I, I have my mentor kids, <laughs> and you're in that class, you and Kim. And i got to tell you, I, I'm just incredibly proud, doing everything I can not to cry right now because I'm so proud uh, of y'all. I, I really am. You have been chosen by God four years ago. You just didn't think you were the guy, and yet God had to keep sorting people out to get you here. You are the consistency of the last four years, and God's hand has been upon you and is still on you. And I, I, again, I'm incredibly proud. Continue to do the things you are doing. Kim, it is the unsung hero's song. No one knows the price you pay except for Tammy and Debbie <laughs> as pastor's wives. Church, y'all have no idea what, what Kim is. You might think you do, but behind the scenes, see, I'm going to get all teary again, is a woman of God who cares deeply about obeying God and doing things that are way beyond her comfort because she's willing to be obedient to God. And God honors that. He has and he is. And I, again, I have extraordinary uh, pride uh, to just claim you as one of mine. <laughs> I know you're not, but I'm claiming it. And I am grateful that the two of you, and understand this, they're fat. 
Let me explain what FAT is. That's an acronym. <laughs> Faithful, accountable, and teachable. And that's who they are. They're faithful, they're accountable, and they're teachable. And I couldn't be more proud of you to say, this is the time that God has called the two of you and your household to rise up and to demonstrate that our God is an extraordinary God through ordinary people. Amen? All right, good. Thank you, David. I mean, really, thank you, David. He has been invested in you in this body for the la over these last couple of years. And I am so thankful when I called on you and asked you, would you do this? Would you, would you commit to this? I didn't have to ask twice. I remember the response was absolutely immediate. It wasn't one of those get back to me kind of responses, but absolutely immediately. He said, man, it would be an honor. And so I thank you. Now, when you're vacationing over in the Coachella Valley and you find yourself there on a Sunday morning on Date Palm, main exit off the 10, you're going to find the church down there, what, about a mile or close to that on the left. Beautiful brand new church. And uh, just visit there. You'll be blessed for sure. It was about six years ago I met Terry Kupfer, along with uh, several other people that said, we want a fresh beginning, a new start here at the church. This has for decades been a wonderful church where God has been lifted up and blessing has fallen, but the church was aging a bit just as I am and several others in the room. I won't point you out by name. <laughs> and uh, this was the second church in the district where we did what we call a fresh start, a brand new beginning. It took about a year, didn't it, Terry, till the decision was made to actually step into that. And Terry was right at the center of all of that and an encouragement of every step along the way. And there in that fresh start, that new beginning, there we were with an opportunity to take this church and begin again. I think it was, you said it was about September 1st of 2013? 12, 2012, okay, that you guys stepped into this ministry. And uh, what, a, what a great time that we've had. But you know what? I was reading uh, just today. I've been reading a lot about suffering. Sorry about that. <laughs> reading about suffering. But Christ says in the scripture, he talks about that we will suffer, we'll go through times of affliction, and in the middle of all those times of affliction, that's where he molds us, and he bends us, and he breaks us, and he uses us according to his will. And it's said here in the 119th Psalm, one, one verse, verse 75, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous, and that, you're, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. I thought that was a curious phrase. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. In God's faithfulness, he has afflicted you as well, but only to mold you and to build you for his purpose. 
I remember when the decision was made, we had a wonderful partner in the Grove uh, that that sent people and sent uh, people that are committed. Some are sitting here right today and saying, we want to be part of this new beginning, and it was part of that. Jason was here from the very beginning of that fresh start back there in 2012 to this very day. And so over this, what, four-and-a-half-year period of time, you were what I call, and Dave directly called today, the reluctant leader. You know, when I think of you, Jason, you know what I think of? I think of Gideon. When Gideon was called by God, do you remember his response? He says, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not a, saying this is you, but he says, you've got to be kidding me, God. I'm like the last one in the last family. Certainly, certainly I'm not the one. And then Gideon went through a series of fleeces to put out there and say, well, God, if you do this, maybe I'll do it. If you do this, maybe I'll do it. Well, a couple of fleeces were laid down over the last few years, Jason. <laughs> and here you are today. I'll tell you what. We, as, as Dave shared, we desperately love you guys. We have some friends from the district office that helped walk the church through the fresh start. We desperately love you. We care about you. We're invested in you, and we want to continue being invested in you. But the reciprocation of that, the way you have invested yourselves back into this body and even into the district, we thank you for that. We praise God for that. Jason, an installation, that's a funny term, isn't it, for a pastor? (laughs) Once we install him, he can't move, you know. (laughs) I don't know where we're going to put him up here (laughs) and install him. (laughs) But it's a broader definition of the term installation, and that is to recognize before God the call that has been put on Jason and Kim and the family to give leadership to this body of believers, humbly doing that. And how did Christ lead? He led by being the chief shepherd. And so, in essence, you're being called to be the chief shepherd Uh, chief servant, I should have said chief servant in this body. And that's exactly what you'll be. But as servant, you're also shepherd. There's a combination of the words. And so we are so thankful for that. I'd like to invite you and Kim to come and and to stand here. Are the boys here? All right. Why don't you have them come and stand with you? Um, Yeah, go ahead and just stand right there. That'll work fine. I'd also like to invite, as, as we're going to have prayer, and Dave, I'm going to have you come to give the prayer, but I would also like to invite, if you just step forward just a little bit, the, those members of the advisory team that have been here and supportive, are some of them here in the room? Terry, all right, Ricardo, Brian, if you'd come on down. All right, Mark, Absolutely. <coughs> Can you, can you make it through here? Let, let Terry through. <laughs> All right. Come on in. In this commitment before Christ, 
I'm going to ask Dave to pray for his commitment and installation. I Dave. certainly will. As a, as a family, uh, just kind of circle there and then you face Jason, just kind of huddle up there, get your boys there, because they're certainly a part of that. And I want you, Ricardo and, and Mark, to pull in here, let Bill in. I, El, I want you to participate. If you want to stand, stand, but just kind of stretch out your hand by faith and participate uh, with this prayer as we just uh, give them to the Lord. So, Father, I am phenomenally grateful. I'm excited because you love the Redlands. You love the people of the Redlands, and you desire to see your word spread. You desire to see people set free. You desire to see transformation in the lives of people. And therefore, you have called by name Jason and Kim and this precious family. So as we stand before you today, we plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over this entire household, praying for health, praying for strength, praying for your provision. We ask that the Spirit of God and the anointing of the Lord be upon them, that you give them ears to hear and always the courage to obey. May you continue to surround them with leaders like uh, Ricardo and Mark and Brian and Terry and others, Lord. I, I, I couldn't begin to call them all out by name, but bless them, protect them. Let them be extraordinary people as they walk with an extraordinary God. So it is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that I commit Jason and Kim and this household unto you. May you receive delight and glory and honor in all of their ways. May the Spirit of the Lord rest upon the mission. May it be filled in this place. May it be filled within the people because the people are the church. May the name of the Lord Jesus be rise, rise up and be honored because as the name of Jesus is raised up, it will draw all men unto yourself. And so we look forward with continued excitement to see what you intend to do. We thank you for what you have done. In Jesus' name, God's kids said, Amen. Amen. And just in case someone doesn't think it's official, <laughs> we have it here, dated today, certifies and commemorates the installation service. Thank you. Wow. So I've shared a few times in church about this, but on my way to the first mission staff meeting that we held, um, you know, more than four years ago, uh, I had a moment, I had an encounter with the Lord. We were, we were living in Crestline at the time driving down, uh, I was headed down the 18 to, uh, to get to Redlands, and uh, for our first staff meeting, Don and Suzanne Crawford were there, and uh, Aaron Four was there, and Emily Four, and uh, so we were going to have our first uh, staff meeting, and 
I remember this moment I was driving and uh, I just came around this corner and the clouds were really low that day. And I just, man, I thought, thank you, Lord. This view is amazing. Thank you. Like, I feel like this is like the beauty of, of what heaven must be like. Thank you, Lord. And I just pulled off right there and took, snapped a couple of pictures because, you know, we live in a social media age, right? And so it doesn't happen if it doesn't go on Instagram. So, um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I got back in the car, you know, didn't really think too much about it. And, and uh, I came around the next corner and I remember it felt like I just had a punch in the gut. Like the view was so unbelievably gorgeous. And I literally, I mean, it may sound naive, but I literally felt like I was swept up into what must have been like heaven for a moment. Um, And I just felt the Lord say, what I'm about to do with the mission, you think you know what I'm about to do, but you have no idea. And what I'm about to do is, is going to just blow your mind. And so I... I went down to staff meeting that day and shared that with with the folks at at the staff meeting and 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 we just all began to weep just because it, the presence of the Lord was so palatable on that and and I can honestly say one hundred percent that this is not what I had in mind when he said that <laughs> this is absolutely not what I had in mind um, and it just goes to further prove that. You know, the Lord, throughout the Bible, the Lord has a long history of choosing odd people into <laughs> into leadership roles. And, and this just goes on to further that. I, I used to tell people, honestly, like, they would be like, so, are you ever think you're a worship leader and that's good, you know, but do you ever want to be a, a lead pastor? And, and I'd be like, no, I don't really want to do that. that. That's too much, like... That's like being a dad, like the, the lead, pa- the senior pastor role is like dad role, right? And I, I kind of want to be the, the fun uncle that comes in every once in a while and, and it comes, he just comes in every once in a while and he brings you like fireworks from China, you know, like, like that, that's, that's like the kind of church leader I, I wanted to be. I wanted to be behind the scenes and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but I, I was, I was reflecting on that. And just what the Lord has done in my life. And, I, and, I, and the Lord brought the memory of me teaching my oldest son, Dylan, to ride a two-wheeler without training wheels. And, and how we went to the park that day and we took off the training wheels. And I, you know, I held the back seat and, and, I, and I got to, like, watch him, you know, run with him for a little bit. And then I got to let go and just watch him go. And, and he... He never stopped. Like it was like one one time, and he had it, you know. And and uh, and that was such a great dad moment for me. And and really, that's the kind of pastor I feel like the Lord is calling me to be. I want to saddle up alongside you guys, and I want to begin to help you sort out who the Lord has made you to be. And I want to run alongside you, and then I want to let go and watch you go. That, that's the kind of pastor I, I want to be. But just in, in, in case you were wondering or confused at all, today is not about me. Today is about God and the story he's telling through the mission. And 
when back in November when they asked me to be the interim pastor, like after I shook in my car for a little while, like holding on to the steering wheel, um, uh, I just felt the Lord say to me, if you try to do this alone, you're going to fail. And so right then and there, I believe he gave me a list of, of names that, that people ha- of people who have become active leaders in our church. And, and if you're a part of our core team, would you just stand up? I, I know it's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So these leaders you see, are, you can sit down now. Thank you. These, these leaders have been phenomenally supportive and, and have, I, I, our first meeting, I actually asked them to make covenant with me, covenant relationship. Covenant means I have your back, you have my back, we're in this together. And, the, and that they have held that relationship true. And so I just, I, I, I couldn't begin to tell you this, what this core team means to me and has the support they've given over the last year. And uh, I also want to thank the support of our Christian Missionary Alliance District family. They have been so supportive all along the way and just had my back every every step of the way. And um, and then I just, at the risk of making this sound like an Emmy speech or something like that, um, <laughs> I, I just want to thank my family because... Uh, Because my boys and my wife have sacrificed more behind the scenes quietly than I could ever, ever put into words. And I just, I I love you, Kim. (laughs) Thank you. So just worship team, you can come on up. In in closing, I just wanted to say just a couple of really brief things. Um, The Bible in a few places talks about sowing and reaping. And I can think of several, several passages of scripture that talk about sowing and reaping. But the one that comes to mind when I think of this season that we are in at the mission is Psalm uh, 126 verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap in shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Over, it's almost four years, because next week is the four-year anniversary of the mission. Over its almost four-year existence, the mission has sown a lot of tears. And if you're new with our, our family, our, our church family, I'll, I'll sit down with you over coffee one day and, and take you through our journey. But, um, but we've sown a lot of tears over the last four years. But I, I just believe that there is a season of joyful shouting upon us. And, I, and I, there may be more tears. And that's Okay. But we're going to enjoy the season of joyful shouting while it's upon us. And, and we have a city to reach. I'm sorry. I, we, 
we, we have a city to reach. In Isaiah 9, 2, this is our, this is our theme scripture for the week. This is what's covering over our prayer walks as we walk as groups and as you walk as an individual. Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And that's what we're praying for Redlands. We're praying that a light will dawn for the people who are living in darkness. Amen. Amen. So I just want to pray for you guys as we close uh, with one last song. Father, today is about you, your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love for us, Lord. As I look over the faces in this room, I see so many people who have been on the journey with us over the last four years. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for these people, Lord. God, may you have your way in this city, Lord. May the blood of Jesus run red in the streets of Redlands, God. Father, and as the ushers come forward, we turn our eyes to you just again, Lord, to thank you for what you've given us, Lord. And we give back to you what is already yours, Lord. Everything we have is already yours, Lord, and we give it back to you now. Father, whether we're giving sacrificially, Lord, or giving of our tithe, Lord, or just giving out of the widow's might that we have, Lord. Father, we honor you with this gift with our heart first, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.